Welcome to episode 177 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, If you're a beginner backpacker, you are on the threshold of one of the most thrilling adventures of your life. We'll help you navigate this new adventure with confidence. For today's Summit Gear Review, a monthly subscription service that will keep you excited about backpacking all year long. Today's hack will help you repurpose a Pringles can and will leave you with some trail wisdom from our favorite mountain goat. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. In one of our recent episodes, we kind of went off script. (laughs) We had a really loose, fun episode where we just kind of had a conversation. And our top five list reflected that because we talked about the top five things that we probably wanted to include in upcoming episodes. So we just kind of chatted about things that had been on our mind. And for number five on that list, I suggested that uh, we should always make sure that we keep a focus on beginner topics, the things that someone needs to know before their first trip, because the more experienced we get, the easier it is for us to take those things for granted and forget that we had those questions when we first started. Those beginner thoughts that you have, the concerns, the worries, the... uh, I guess the flood of information that comes at you when you're learning something for the first time, we don't want to forget that. And we've been backpacking now together for about three years. So still beginners, still in that beginner phase where the flood of information is still coming at us, but I think we're more comfortable now. And that's what I think a lot of new, new backpackers don't quite feel yet, that that kind of sigh of relief, like, okay, everything is going to be okay. I'll figure this out. It's not as overwhelming as it seems. And after a few trips, everything will be okay. Everything will kind of start to to click. So we asked all of you, what beginner topics do we still need to cover or maybe revisit that we've talked about before? And we got a ton of ideas from all of you on Facebook and Twitter. We're still kind of making our way through all these ideas, but so many good ideas. Um, A few of you said you'd love to have an episode that just dives into picking out a backpack, Uh, how to get the right fit, the torso length, all of these little straps and buckles and things. Uh, What are they all for? And how do you find the pack that fits you the best? Someone asked for a standard packing list for their first trip. A few people want to know about taking dogs with them on the trail. We don't have dogs, so we need to reach out and get that question answered. That question has been asked before. We got to find a dog person. We got to find a dog person and help us answer that question. Yes. Hydration and dehydration, bear safety. Do I have to buy all my gear before my first trip or can I borrow some or rent some or try some out? Uh, Even a question about how to hike around cryptobiotic soil. Ooh. How about that? How to read a topo map, use a compass, how to gauge the weather while you're out on the trail, how to organize your pack, how to pick a good campsite how to make sure you're the right distance away from water, hiking solo, which is funny because just a couple episodes (laughs) ago, we talked about how we've never hiked solo and have a hard time envisioning ourselves doing so. 
So are we going to try it? Or well, I, I would say, only want to do a solo hike if I were with you. So I don't <laughs> know how that works there. out. That's a tough one. But we could definitely have someone on who is a solo hiker and get their feedback and kind of uh, I guess tap the wealth of knowledge that's out there already. And if some of you new backpackers out there are listening, hearing this list of all the things that new backpackers want to know about, it's it's kind of overwhelming. It really is. And so... We promise we will take it piece by piece, beginner style, and go through the basics as thoroughly as we can. And some of that stuff that you listed off was a little bit nitty gritty, like, you know, weather patterns, learning how to read the clouds and read the sky. That's not something you'll need to know for your first trip. But as you make those first few trips, it'll be fun to have that information in your back pocket and uh, be able to to use it on future trips. Yeah, but it's stuff you might not need to know on your first trip. Remember your first trip? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would have been helpful information, knowing that if the clouds are low, that it's going to rain. Well, the people that we were hiking with taught us what the That's... sombrero cloud around Mount Hood meant. Yeah, because to me, the clouds that were low and drippy just look like fog. And they told us that that sombrero that was at the top of Mount Hood actually meant that it was definitely going to rain. Not only did it rain, it winded. It blew (laughs) really hard. Right. And because they knew how to read the weather, I think for them it was almost instinctive that they were looking up and seeing the the weather patterns. And because they did that, we stopped a few minutes before the rain started and put on our rain gear. Kind of. I did We've talked about your rain gear in previous episodes, <laughs> but the rest of us were well outfitted with rain gear before the first raindrop fell. And that first raindrop fell very soon after we put on our rain gear. It's stuff like that that experienced backpackers, they've gotten so used to doing it that they do it, like I said, pretty much instinctively. Ah, storm's coming. Let's stop right now, right here, get the rain gear on so that we'll be prepared for a few minutes from now when it starts coming down. But a brand new backpacker, they haven't developed that instinctiveness about it. So they want to know the nitty gritty. They actually need to know very specifically, what do I look for? What do I do? What does it mean? But I think even before that nitty gritty that you talk about needing on your first trip, there's a step before that. It's kind of the big picture. So before you even learn about what the sky does or the nitty gritty about how to read a topo map, There's a really great resource online that you might want to check out. It's at rei.com, and we'll have the link in today's show notes, but it's their Backpacking Beginners page. And so you can read through that and just get the big picture. Like, what are the basic basics that I need to know before I delve into any of those kind of second-tier topics? So anyway, all of you, I think, gave us uh, like a year's worth of additional topic ideas to add to an already pretty packed idea list that Heather keeps all the time as a running list. So we've got lots of material to keep us busy for quite a while. Yeah, and thank you so much to all of our first 40 milers for submitting ideas. And like we said, we're open to including other people on the show. We have a page on our website where you can share your story. It's thefirst40miles.com slash story. And we would love to hear beginner stories. What was your first time out backpacking like? Who did you go with? 
What did you bring? What were your big successes or your major fails? What did you wish you would have known before you went out? We would love to hear your story. Anyway, future episodes, we promise to focus on these beginner topics because that's what we're all about, is getting people out on their first backpacking trip, helping them to feel confident and safe and prepared. And this is really what led us to create today's top five list, the top five things that beginner backpackers worry about. And I don't know if these are in any specific order. Because everyone has different things they worry about. Every top five list on this show is the top five according to Heather. (laughs) Yeah, which is random usually. (laughs) But the number one thing for today's top five list of things that beginner backpackers worry about is choosing the right gear. I think it's easy to get hung up on researching the perfect pack, the perfect sleeping bag, or the perfect tent. And I think as beginners especially we kind of get tricked into believing that the better the gear, the better the hike. And the truth is counter to what the glossy ads and those store displays say. The truth is that perfect gear does not equal a perfect backpacking trip. You can go out with whatever you have in your garage or whatever your friend loans you or whatever you find at the thrift shop, and you can still have an incredible experience. When I was a beginning backpacker as a Boy Scout, this wasn't a worry for me because, well, it simply couldn't be a worry for me. I just had what I had, and I didn't know any better, and I went backpacking with my troop every month. When I was getting back into backpacking a few years ago, preparing for that Timberline Trail hike, that's when I got really deep into the research to figure out what gear I needed to replace from my old stash of gear from 20 or 30 years ago. And I had all those beginner questions because the the gear had changed so much over the years. And I asked questions like, well, this old piece of gear that I have, is it any good anymore? Or is it not good enough by today's standards or whatever? You know, do I need this new piece of gear to replace it? I remember going out uh, shopping for hiking shoes because, well, of course, to go backpacking, you need hiking shoes, right? Well... I went to the store, I tried on a bunch of different hiking shoes, thinking that there was going to be this perfect match for me. Like of all the brands and and models of shoe that I could try on, there was going to be one that was just going to be like, oh, that's the one. That's the perfect one. Your angels singing. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because there's so many brands and models out there. So it must be that there's one that's perfect for me. And then there's a different one that's perfect for someone else. And so I tried on a bunch at a bunch of different price points, and there were some that clearly weren't for me. And then there were several that were like, yeah, okay, um, I really can't tell a difference between this one and that one in terms of whether it's a good fit for me. So I guess I'll buy the one that's on clearance. <laughs> like, that's what it came down to. Um, going into it thinking that there was going to be this perfect shoe for me and coming out of it realizing that there were a bunch that are about the same and I just picked the one that was on sale. I still have that pair of Anus that I bought almost four years ago. But over the last few years, I've really transitioned to minimalist footwear. So now, unless a hike is going to be really muddy, I wear my zero shoes on every backpacking trip that I go on. So in a way, it wouldn't have made sense for me to be too picky on that first purchase of shoes because I gained experience along the way and kind of took a different path. But if I were to pick just one piece of gear for a beginner to focus on, I think I know what that would be. Ooh, do I get to guess? 
<laughs> yeah, what do you think? Well, we've kind of had an epiphany this year with sleeping bags, and there's a lot of muddy water around the temperature ratings of sleeping bags, and uh, I, I would say sleeping bag. Focus on sleeping bag. Well, just because of all the muddiness around the, the temperature ratings and, and specs on sleeping bags, I would actually put that one off a little bit. Hmm. Get some experience in whatever bag you have or even a wool blanket. And go out on a warm weather hike instead of a cold. Right. Uh, okay. And then figure out if you're someone who sleeps hot or sleeps cold or you like a mummy style. style right? Yeah. Or you'd rather have a quilt or um, you're going to go with a hammock setup. Okay. Is it one of the big three? You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Okay, I know what it is now. It's pack. It's the pack. Because you love your pack. <laughs> I do. So here's the thing with packs. If you don't have a good pack, say you just grab a day pack that you happen to have laying around and that's what you're going to take on your first trip, you'll probably make it, but it's going to be really hard to carry all your stuff. Or maybe you've got an old pack from the 60s that you found somewhere. It's going to be pretty stiff and uncomfortable and the shoulder straps will probably be worn out. And your back will be all sweaty and, you know, there might not be a hip belt. And so if you can get a good pack... Then all the other stuff, like you might have a heavy tent, but at least you've got a good pack to distribute the weight of that heavy tent. Right. And a good pack will have a good suspension system and will balance the load a lot better and make it so your back can breathe. I agree right. with you. <laughs> you might not even have a tent. You're just going to sleep under a tarp on the ground. Uh, you know, all of that you can kind of make do on your clothing. You can just wear whatever's in your closet. But if you get it all into a good pack that fits right, I would say that's number one. So uh, that's a lot of time spent on this <laughs> first point of choosing the right gear. Don't worry too much about choosing the right gear. Get some experience first. The number two thing that beginner backpackers worry about is cost. Isn't nature supposed to be free? And then you start adding up the cost of going out into free nature. There's the cost of the gear, the cost of traveling, the cost of food. All of it kind of adds up. And so that can kind of start to uh, to weigh down a new backpacker. But this is gear that is meant to last a long time. And especially if you only take it out, you know, maybe four to eight times a year, it really should last a long time. And if you take care of it when you get home and make sure that it's aired out and clean, the cost is a one-time investment, not only investing in this equipment, but it's also an investment in your health and your mental well-being. There are so many benefits of backpacking that when you look at the cost of getting into backpacking, the benefits far outweigh the costs. My favorite rationalization for that is to compare the cost of backpacking to the cost of staying in a hotel. And if you're going on a three-night backpacking trip, then just think about staying three nights in a hotel, which is going to be $300 or more. And how much gear can you buy for $300? <laughs> and then you still have that gear on the next trip. And so then you can buy another $300 worth of gear on the next trip, right? Because of all that money you're saving from the <laughs> hotel. I mean, you can buy hundreds of dollars worth of gear on every backpacking trip and still come out ahead compared to paying for a night in a hotel. Yeah, and some people do enjoy buying the nicest, the best, the most expensive things, uh, but that is definitely not necessary. So when you're looking at cost, if you can find a good quality budget tent, 
instead of a five to six hundred dollar mountaineering tent that's meant to withstand squalls and blizzards and all of that, that's going to make a lot more sense to go with the budget backpacking tent that will still last instead of the best, the most expensive that may not even have features that you'll use on the trail. Because then you'll get experience, and later you can say, "Ah, now I know what I really want." Uh, you know, these are the features that are important to me. But just take what you what you have or what you can get. The cost of food is another. Go to the grocery store and buy some stuff, or poke your head into your pantry and grab some stuff. Take that on your first trip. You don't need ten dollars a meal for freeze dried food. You can pick up those little oh the potatoes and yeah, the yeah. Like, pasta sides. All that. Those stuff. those are so popular on the trail. Yeah. So those are very inexpensive and can even be paired with some of the more expensive freeze-dried vegetables that you can find. And it kind of balances out and makes a healthy, low-budget meal. The number three thing that beginner backpackers worry about is making mistakes. And this is for a lot of reasons. Maybe they don't want to look dumb. Maybe they don't want to die. There are a lot of repercussions that happen when you make a mistake. But I think you can avoid a lot of mistakes by doing one simple thing. By backpacking with a friend who's been backpacking before. I think this worry about making mistakes、um, has maybe a couple of side tangents to it. One is if you think of it like a sport. Say you were going to play lacrosse for the first time, and so you researched and you got some gear. You got the lacrosse gear. I don't even know what that is. A stick <laughs> and a, a ball. A stick with a basket on the <laughs> end. <laughs> and you know nothing about lacrosse other than that you picked up some gear and you're going to go head out onto the field the first time. And everyone on the field, from your perspective, has been there forever and they know everything about lacrosse. And you walk onto the field with your stick with a basket on the end and say, I-, "I don't know what I'm doing here." You're afraid of kind of revealing your inexperience and that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to. Like throw the ball in the wrong direction, you're going to score a point for the opposing team. You worry about all of that, and I think people can have the same worry with backpacking. I'm going to go out on the trail, and there's going to be all these people who are more experienced than me, and I'm going to be bumbling along, making all these mistakes, and people are going to see my mistakes and laugh at me or or whatever. And yeah, there is stuff to learn in backpacking, maybe kind of like learning lacrosse, but I think with backpacking, it's a lot more forgiving than that. Maybe it's the community. Maybe it's some other aspects. It's being out in nature. It's okay that you're probably going to make some mistakes, and I don't think anyone's going to laugh at you. I hope I'm right about that. And so, in backpacking, the mantra is "hike your own hike." You don't have to fit in and be like everyone else. You can do it your way. But here's another tangent. I want to see what you think about it. There's a lot of backpacking etiquette, and I think that etiquette, that pile of etiquette, that portfolio of etiquette, <laughs> has been growing. So there were things that people did a generation or two ago that we try not to do today in terms of backcountry etiquette and、uh, respecting the wilderness and the environment. And I think a beginner backpacker could get worried about those things. What are all the rules, quote unquote rules, that I don't know that I'm breaking? So I'm hiking along and I build a little rock cairn just because it seemed cool. And because there's a whole bunch on the trail on this rocky path. And six months later, I'm reading some story on the internet and find out that that's taboo to build a rock cairn. And for those of you who don't know what a rock cairn is, it's a pile of rocks that signifies that you are on the trail. Usually, they're not decorative. 
They have a purpose. And so you know by following the cairns that you are on the right path. Sometimes the path can go over some kind of flat, wide, expansive, rocky areas where there isn't like a brown trail with green on both sides. It's kind of more elusive. So these cairns are really helpful. But the latest etiquette consensus is that leaving a cairn is leaving a trace, and we should leave no trace. We should not build cairns. As good-intentioned as all of the etiquette rules are, is that a barrier for a new backpacker getting into the sport? When I read that one of the leave no trace principles was to keep your campfires minimal and, if at all possible, avoid building a campfire, I was really disappointed. I thought, I don't know if I can get behind this leave no trace thing all the way because I really enjoy campfires. It's just something that's part of being outdoors. So yeah, I think too many rules can kind of be an inhibitor to new people coming onto the trail. And as we become more experienced with backpacking, we, we develop a deeper understanding of why those rules have been made and we can relate to those reasons and then it just it becomes something we do and it becomes a natural part of how we behave in the backcountry but you don't just come in to it automatically knowing all of that and and so i think that can be an issue and i i guess yeah you're going to make mistakes and some mistakes will be sort of those uh you know, tactical mistakes of putting your tent in the wrong place and you got filled up with water overnight. Uh, But some of your mistakes are going to be etiquette mistakes. Just means that you were breaking someone's rule about how to behave in the backcountry. And you'll learn over time and you'll grow out of those mistakes and you'll learn the reasons for those rules. But cut yourself some slack when you're right starting out. The number four thing beginner backpackers worry about is getting lost. When you finally get out on your first backpacking trip, you'll feel that freedom of the trail and you'll look around and realize that the forest is your home. It's a really exciting, empowering, freeing feeling, but also it might give you a little bit of false confidence that would make you do something like wander off the trail and explore this patch of forest, kind of this romantic idea of, I'm an explorer and this is my wilderness. And then once you're on the trail, you realize just how big that wilderness is and how small you are and how lost you might become. I've never worried about getting lost before a trip, you know, planning for the trip and thinking, oh, I'm really worried I might get lost. That never happens to me. What happens to me is when we are on the trip and we get to a spot in the trail that's a little ambiguous. You know, it splits in a couple directions and the signage isn't very good and the map isn't quite as good as I'd like. And we we sit there for a while. We try to do our best to make the best decision about which way to take. We take it for a while. It starts feeling a little mm, sketchy, like uh, this isn't the right one. And we have to keep hiking on for quite a while before we really find out whether we made the right decision or not. And I think most times we've ended up finally getting to a spot where we go, oh, yes, we made it. But you worry about it like the entire time. You know, it could be a half hour or an hour or more that you're worrying about that trail junction that you passed back there and whether you took the right direction. So this is where map reading skills come in, starting small with whatever map you have and just building those skills, kind of referring back to the map 
often enough to trace your progress, recognizing that a mile in the city does not equal a mile on the trail. That's for sure. <laughs> that can really throw you off because you know you can walk a mile in the city in, in about 15 minutes. It's about four miles an hour. But on the trail, you're going to end up going maybe between one and two miles an hour, which can really kind of mess with your, uh, not your sense of direction, but your sense of progress. So while the fear of getting lost may be something that you face on each trip that you go on, it's a fear that you can do something about by building those map reading skills, which is something I really need to work on. <laughs> so I'm really glad that someone mentioned that we need to talk about map reading skills. Not one of my strengths yet. <laughs> the number five thing that beginner backpackers worry about is the question, what if? And this question is why a lot of beginners tend to overpack. The bear spray, the guidebooks, the solar shower, the extra clothes beyond what you actually probably need. And the typical gear packing list doesn't help with this. These lists have a list of the things that are definitely essential for a backpacking trip mixed in with a bunch of other things that you might want to take on a backpacking trip. And the problem is if you've never been on a backpacking trip, you're looking at the entire list and you can't really tell which ones are the core absolute essentials and which ones are just the nice to haves. And there's a lot of just nice to haves on those lists. And there's a lot of don't even bring this on this trip. It's not going to be relevant on this trip. You really have to look at where you're going. If you're going out in the summertime to a nice waterfall, you won't need a nice axe. So I would say focus on the fact that you need a way to carry your stuff. You need shelter, something to stay in overnight to keep you warm enough, dry enough, and you need food and water. Also, throw in the 10 essentials that will keep you safe. That would about do it. That's a really short packing list, but that does it. Well, if you're getting ready for your first trip and you're worried about some of those things, uh, we hope that some of the thoughts that we shared will be helpful as you calm those worries. You know, most of all, get out there on that first trip. Make it close to home, make it short, make it during nice weather so you can eliminate a lot of those worries, but make it so you can have the experience and then you can learn from it and prepare for your second trip, and so on. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Karen subscription service. Karen is spelled C-A-I-R-N. It's like what we talked about before, the Karens, the stacked up rocks. The Karen brand <laughs> subscription gift box, not a pile of rocks on a trail. But right. their logo looks like a pile of it's rocks on a so trail. so cute. Yeah. I love their logo. Karen is a monthly subscription box service that is for people who love being outdoors. So each box comes with a little newspaper called the Karen Scout. It gives you information about everything that's in the box. Plus, inside of this little newspaper, they give you discount codes for the brands that are inside the box. And the thing that I love about the Karen subscription service is that everything in the box is stuff that's specific to the outdoors. And some of it's hiking related, some of it's backpacking related, some of it could also be trail running or cycling, but everything is curated to be stuff that outdoorists would love. One of the cool things that Karen does is, depending on your interests, they really try to find items that will suit your favorite outdoor activity. Now, sometimes everyone gets the same box. 
But if they find something that they know hikers will love and it's super specific to hikers, they'll only send that item out to people who are interested in hiking. They really do try to curate as much as possible. And I know when subscription boxes became kind of popular a few years ago, it was a nightmare to cancel them. Not with Karen. Karen's been around for a while. Um, but they make it really easy to maintain or alter or fix your subscription, uh, which I think is really great. I love the transparency. It's not tricky. One of the other cool benefits of getting a Karen subscription box is that you can earn points, kind of gamified it. You can earn points for reviewing the gear that you receive in your Karen box. And then you can redeem those points in the Karen shop for apparel or free boxes or gifts for your friends. So that's kind of fun. For investment, it's $30 a month for the monthly service. And that includes free shipping in the United States if you have a subscription. And then they have this other box called Obsidian. It's a quarterly service. It's different from the monthly boxes. It's actually $250 a quarter and it's their premium box. So that's the box where you'll receive clothing or actual equipment. That's pretty cool. It's a really interesting concept. This, uh, this idea of discovery boxes. You don't know what you're getting. You open it up and all of a sudden you're like, oh, whoa, what am I going to do with this? And how am I going to incorporate this on my next trip? It's kind of an exciting idea. It's like having Christmas or your birthday on a regular basis. Every month, or in the case of Obsidian, quarterly. So we received a box from Karen to review. And us being the nerdy nerds that we are, we thought, okay, if this is a $30 box, let's add up the value, the actual price of everything inside. So, Josh, what did we come up with? Well, what should we start with? We'll start from least expensive and go to most expensive. Okay. So, of course, we got the Karen Scout little mini newspaper. And next, if we're going uh, from least expensive to most expensive, we got um, what's essentially an ad for a mobile device app. It did have a gift code on the back for uh, free storage in their cloud service with that app. It is a hiking and outdoor related app that is uh, available free on the App Store. So this was more of just an advertisement for the app. So we counted that as $0. I guess we could have counted it as worth $10 because it had that code for $10 worth of storage on their app service. And the next thing that was in the box is a Scout Backcountry Organic Energy Bar. And this is Argentinian peanut butter. It has four ingredients, peanuts, dates, pumpkin seeds, and pink Himalayan salt. We figured that at about $2.50. You can buy a 12-pack of Scout Energy Bars for about $29. The next thing that came in our box was this really cool squishy hydropack stash. If you've never seen one of these, it's kind of this TV... No, not TVP. (laughs) Help me out. It's one of those acronyms. This is made of textured vegetable protein. (laughs) Uh, Is it TPU? Yeah, that's the stuff. Okay, so it's this kind of squishy material that Hydropack makes reservoirs out of this stuff. Uh, Super durable, and it compresses down compresses down and clicks into place. That's pretty cool. So it becomes about the size of a hockey puck when it's all compressed down. Exactly. And when it's uncompressed, holds about uh, 750 milliliters of water. Definitely lighter than a Nalgene. And the retail price on the Hydropack Stash 750 is $20. 
And the last thing in the box, and the most exciting thing, because who doesn't love lights, is the new Yuko Air headlamp. And this came in at $35. The Yuko Air headlamp was just released in December 2017. So this is a brand new item that Karen subscription box customers get to, you know, be among the first to have. And I think Karen tries to do that a lot with their stuff is contact companies and get their best, their newest, their latest, and make sure that the Karen subscribers are the ones who are exposed to it first. So if you really love finding out about new gear or finding out about new companies or cutting edge technology, anything like that, this is a really great way to be exposed to it through these discovery boxes uh, through Karen's subscription service. So those are the things that we found in our box, and the retail value added up to $57.50, which is quite a bit more than the $30 that you pay for that subscription. Then we opened up the Karen Scout mini newspaper, and they listed discount code deals for five brands. Yuko, Hydropack, Scout Backcountry, and Tribe Pilot. Those were all the things that we found in the box, but you can go to their websites and use these discount codes to order any of their other products at a discount. But there was a fifth one. There was a discount code for Injinji socks. And so we went back and looked in our box. No Injinji socks in the box. So then I got thinking, I remember them saying that they add this, you know, secret item into some of the boxes randomly. And I think that's why they have the discount code in this little newspaper. Because I think it's one of those random things that they added to some of the boxes. Yeah, maybe. So we'll be reviewing the individual things from this box over the next few weeks. Although I kind of want to eat this bar right now. Argentinian peanut butter. I love peanut butter. You can eat it now. Just what? Really? take notes <laughs> so that uh, in a future episode, we can tell people all about it. Uh, I can wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. We'll have all the info about the Karen subscription service in today's show notes at thefirst40miles.com slash 177. For today's backpack hack of the week, muffins in a Pringles can. Have you ever tried to bring homemade muffins on a backpacking trip or on a picnic only to have them end up in that smashed crumbly mess? Smashed muffins are still edible, but what if I told you that there was a simple, inexpensive way to pack muffins on your next backpacking trip so they would be smash-proof? Sounds great. Let's do it. Actually, I made muffins this morning, some banana, coconut, chocolate chip muffins. They're so, so good. But anyway, if you have a Pringles can, or if you don't, go out and get one, Muffins will fit perfectly into that empty Pringles can, and you can fit between five and six homemade muffins in that can. And I say homemade muffins because Costco muffins don't fit in any can. You want to make your own muffins because then you can put all your own ingredients in. They'll be healthy, delicious. And the great thing about muffins that I love is that you can make them savory or sweet. You can add in whatever ingredients you want. And then you can take them with you on your backpacking trip and have that homemade flavor. Not all of your food has to be from a factory. You can actually make your own backpacking food. And muffins are a great thing to bring on the trail. And that little hack that Heather just shared is in the muffins recipe of trail grazing, the book that she wrote a few months ago, all about trail food that you can make at home. The stuff that you're going to eat between breakfast and dinner while you're hiking down the trail. That book has three muffin recipes in it. Uh, cheesy Italian muffins, 
trail cred muffins, which you'll have to look inside the book to see what's in those, <laughs> but they'll give you trail cred and blueberry muffins. And you can find the trail grazing book on Amazon or iTunes or by going to thefirst40miles.com slash shop. So I have a list of muffins here, Josh. On our next backpacking trip, if you had to pick one of those muffins for me to make, which would you pick? And we'll have this list in the show notes. So if you're looking for inspiration, this will give you some great ideas for your next backpacking trip. Oh, man, you've got a really long list here. And there's a few that jump out at me. Cranberry apple walnut. Mm. Lemon cream cheese poppy seed. And if we cook chili on that trip, I would go for cornbread muffins. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. That slow cooker chili that you can make with the tea light candles on yeah, the trip. Yeah, that recipe that's in Trail Fuel, mm. the cookbook for breakfasts and dinners, plus a few trail snacks. All right. Well, cool. Now we just have to buy some Pringles, dump them out. <laughs> dump them out. <laughs> We'll we'll see if our kids can get rid of them for us. I guess we'll have to eat them. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, John Muir. He said, Another glorious day. The air as delicious to the lungs as nectar to the tongue. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. You can order our most recent book, Backpacking Hacks Volume 3, on Amazon or iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Yeah. Do you want me to read any more or is that good? No, that's good. That was okay. plenty. <laughs> plenty. Okay. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs>